What up, my glib globs? That, as you're probably aware, is a quote from the lost manuscript from William Shakespeare known as Ricardo and Monteith. Why am I mentioning this? Because we're about to talk about the 1993 adaptation of Much Ado About Nothing by Kenneth Branagh. But if you haven't listened to the previous episode, which was Alex Winter's Freaked, you may not know that there are some references in the following conversation to that film, because we recorded them both at the same time, because we thought we wouldn't talk about each very much. We talked about both way more than we thought we would, which is why it's been broken up into two episodes. So without further ado about nothing, uh, is this week's episode. I know Kung Fu. F-B-I! If the bus blows up, he wins. Whoa, 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 whoa! Excellent! The, uh, the 1993 adaptation of Much Do About Nothing, uh, which is also quite hard to get a hold of, um... If you it wanted is. to rent or buy it digitally, you might be shit out of luck in this country because that's the UK. You can only get the 2012 Joss Whedon one that he did in between Avengers movies. But this is available on, I think, Prime in the States or IMDb TV, actually, as it is. And um, it's also available on DVD. Uh, if you want to watch it with Spanish subtitles, you can watch it in full on YouTube, which is what I did. Do we need to summarise the plot of Much Ado About Nothing? It's a 400-year-old comedy from William Shakespeare. Comedy in the Shakespearean sense, meaning that it is not a tragedy and everybody has a happy ending that should. Not a comedy. not a farce, either. Not not necessarily in the sense that you're going to be ruffling in the aisles. Um, A group of the Prince's men arrive at a Don's villa uh, after having been at war and set about marrying off the Don's daughters and nieces to the enlisted men under the prince's charge. But a conspiracy is afoot from yep. the dastardly Don John, played by Keanu Reeves. Yeah. And that's as much he's as I'll say about it. He's just now. bitter, right? Like, I have no idea. There isn't, I, there's no motivation. No. You don't know his motivation. Really struggled with that. Don't, could not understand why... Well, the the reading that I took of it, I, I was going to get into it, but I'll just say it right up top, was that you get these arch- you get archetypal characters around that their attitudes towards love. You got Denzel Washington character, don't remember his name. What's the character's name? Don't know. Uh, Don, Don Pedro. Yes, that's right. Don Pedro, uh, and you get Keanu Reeves character Don John, who. They are the opposites. If, if arguably Denzel's character is Cupid, he's very interested in setting people up. Yep, he's a matchmaker and, for sure. Woo- wooing people, and and Keanu is just his opposite. That I think that's it for those two characters. They don't actually have much else to do. Mm. Keanu wants to ruin love, and uh, Don Pedro wants to uh, Denzel wants to set people up. Then you have the people that are being set up. So you get Claudio, I don't know the actor's name. Robert Sean Leonard or Jim Carrey. I've seen him in a couple things. Jim Carrey yeah. without the lols. Jim Carrey without that's a good one. That's a good one to put it. He was in something that I a TV series actually that I did like. Uh, well, I in- I actually like him from the Richard Linklater movie Tape that he did with Ethan Hawke and Uma there, Thurman. There, there. I love that movie. Yeah. That is, that's one of my go-to 
films when discussing um like a good two-hander or single room yeah chamber piece. single room yeah anyway uh so that's that was my reading that you have these archetypal cupid and anti-cupid right and then you get claudio and kate beckinsale who i did not recognize at all until yeah the person i was watching she, said she, oh she looks really young she really grew into her looks didn't she you compare Kate Beckinsale at twenty to Kate Beckinsale at That's forty, ridiculous. and it is. She's very also different. had some work done now. I don't. Had some work done, I so. don't know. She looks good. Let's put it that way. Her and Claudio, they're like she's called Hero yeah. in this, spelt the same way that as the Jet Li Hero movie. is. Yeah. yeah, as the Jet Li movie, not not the word Hero, no, and arguably not necessarily a heroine, but there's there's something to be said about that. But her and Claudio are hopeless romantics. They just love at first sight, young, young love. And the Kenneth Branagh and Emma Thompson characters, uh, Benedict and Benedict, sorry, and Beatrice are like jaded. Well, like slightly. They've got 10 years experience over over Claudio and Hero. I don't guess I guess late 30s or mid 30s. 30s. Yeah, they've been been around the block a couple of times and there's history. Yeah, and and their history between them and at least Emma Thompson's character has basically sworn off men. She's like, she's saying the only time I'll be matched with a man is when I die, go to hell. And then they tell me to go back to heaven. And then St. Peter might say that you're matched with this person. And even then I'm going to be shrewd. And, and, and like, so she has this kind of really humorous, but quite offhandish, like, you can't set me up with anybody. But it's not that she doesn't believe in love because she's all about it for yeah. the for the young you couple. Can see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah totally and obviously, yeah. Sort of the... I mean, Branner and Thompson were married at this time. They were the darlings of of the British theatrical and cinema scene. And there's is a classic love hate. Uh, pull the pigtails of the yeah. girl you fancy, yeah. kind of thing. They despise each other and pull up and and. You know, in that grand Shakespearean tradition, vocalize all of the worst qualities about one another in their first scenes yeah. together, and then yeah. that gives way to them falling head over heels in love in a very short space yeah. of time. Um, yeah, it's it's lovely. I actually was really touched by it, but I have to do a little bit of a side note first before we continue because I think it might inform the rest of our conversation. And apologies if anyone hears buzzing; it's not my love eggs going off. There's a fly in the room. <laughs> Good to good to know, man. Good to know that you have love eggs, and both that you're not that you're not using they're them in, during the but podcast. They're not on. Oh, oh, we ha- there's a side note that I have to make about Shakespeare in general it, yeah. itself, Shakespearean thing. Let's just have a little bit of a Fine. discussion around that because I have we I have quite we haven't sorry? done Shakespeare before, have we? We've done Shakespeare adaptations, have we? Oh no, excuse me, we're going to. Well, this is it. Uh, we did the the River Phoenix one, My Own Private Idaho. We talked a little bit about this. Yeah. But we've never done a, a Shakespeare adaptation. Arnie's never done we... anything like that. Neither has Keanu. To be. None of our... For... Oh, not to be. <laughs> not to be. Yeah, Last Action Hero. That yeah, was yeah, a yeah, Shakespeare yeah. adaptation. You killed my father. I just feel like we've had a conversation about Big Shakespearean, stick. like, pentameter and things like that, and I can't... We might we might have, but probably not on this. Okay. Not on All this right, podcast. so go, go So, so... I got strong feelings about Shakespeare. I always have. I am going to say something blasphemous to Shakespeare lovers, and I'm using that language very deliberately. Shakespeare is not Jesus. He's not. He's not Jesus. 
Um, Shakespeare is not the Jesus of English literature, and yet people say and claim that he is. I There is way too much out there to say that Shakespeare is the best. That does not mean that I hate Shakespeare. And, and I'm, I know I'm being really militant about this, but I have to... I have to instantly. It's a it's a problem I have. It's it's a disease. Whenever when someone says that Shakespeare is the best, that Shakespearean text, Shakespearean plays, Shakespearean dramatic structure is the pinnacle of literature, I cannot I I I cannot stop myself from disagreeing because of all the other world literature and amazing playwrights that exist out there for different themes and different different thoughts and ideas that somebody might have and want to express in different formats. So you're more of a Christopher Marlowe guy. I don't know who that is. It was the the other playwright. It was Shakespeare's contemporary who it's, it's I argued, no that, idea. argued that right. Shakespeare ripped him off, basically. Ah, right. Well, fair. that's another reason to like maybe, you know, hate on Shakespeare a little bit. I just don't want to elevate him to God status. That doesn't mean that I don't find some of the stuff so powerful, so beautiful, so well yeah, written, yeah. It's so di- interesting. It's a difficult thing because when you come up through the, the British education system and you do English literature, as I imagine we both did. Yeah, you have to study it. And, no and, and, the, and many teachers are very open about saying Shakespeare is the greatest writer that there ever was. And when you're teaching the, the fundaments of literature to children and you're saying that, that stuff sticks. Mm-hmm. And it's very hard to dispute it with someone who's more knowledgeable than you. Now, I wouldn't, honestly, I don't know enough about plays to have a horse in this race. I will say, I think a lot of that comes from the sheer influence on language. And from a language standpoint, if nothing else, Shakespeare is one of the greatest that has ever been. He's endured. He's influenced. Yeah. And the, that and doesn't the, mean, but the language yeah. of his plays is is yeah so beautiful a lot of the time it, it and this really, is no really exception is. and this question keeps coming up but often when I talk to people about it or at school it came up with a, did people really talk like that no no of course not no uh, they you can't it's poetry written into a, a, a text a strong it's a long long form poetry. And that makes it very difficult at times to understand the same way that some poems are obscure and abstract and there's double meanings and there's so much nuance in it. And it feels very satisfying when you just settle into it and you start to get it and it's really well performed. And the, and it's it that's Shakespeare is very satisfying in that sense. At other times, it's incredibly infuriating because you can go through a scene that's really well acted, like a scene like with Michael Keaton, for example, and you're like, I have literally no idea what the person just said. And I'm not a stupid guy. I, I, at least I hope I'm not. But it's like, that is frustrating for me because back to the point that we made on Freaked, which is, we were just talking about it, which is that if you don't get what's going on, it doesn't matter how clever, how beautiful, how well-intended, how great the author is. That's not necessarily, that's a failing of the piece, not necessarily a failing of the audience member. This is This is what I wanted to talk about with regards to Sir Kenneth, on the page and often as delivered, Shakespearean languages can be very impenetrable. If it is not, yes. if it's, it's not articulated concisely and you know very very clearly, and there is yeah, a ha- the actor has to get it. There is a habit. <laughs> they have to get what they're saying. So many actors, and I'm not just talking about y- your amateur no. thespians. I'm talking about world renowned 
film and stage actors. There is a habit that many actors fall into when doing the bard. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, You said it. That's the thing. I am doing Claudio, the actor, he falls into that a lot in this. And he's arguably one of... Denzel sometimes. Well, okay, hang on. We're getting ahead of ourselves. The reason that I think... That's a thing, though. That's a thing. Of course it is. For sure. And and one of the things that um, Kenneth Branagh is is very, very good at himself, and also in the way that he directs these films, is without patronising the audience, without doing what Shakespeare himself did by saying, let's throw a bit of wacky comedy in for the groundlings at the front, because they're not going to get the rest of it, and we've got to make sure that they're happy. Yeah. He's very good at trying to translate the emotion of any given scene or any given line that's, for the audience. So that's the key: emotional translation. Yeah. So when, Those are the words. And, but he does it with his filmmaking and his music as much as he does it with his performance. Him and Emma Thompson are the absolute pros in this film. Pros, as in professionals, not pros as in the written word. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> They, they really in are. This, you, you, they really they are. could be speaking a foreign language and you would still get it. And to many people, they are so, speaking a foreign language. So I I give credit, 98% credit, jointly. Well, arguably not, because Kenneth Branagh directed it. But I'm still giving 98% credit to jointly to Emma Thompson and Kenneth Branagh for my enjoyment of this film. I think that's fair. I, yeah. I was so thrilled by both of their performances. Initially, Kenneth Branagh's, but then Emma Thompson just nails so many scenes like brought out such great feeling in me in what arguably are words that make no make sometimes make no sense and and yet the sense was made it was enough and you just you feel like you get what's being said Kenneth Branagh I had a smile on my face every time he's very very charming very charming so charming it was beautiful and and arguably he cast himself well I I guess and this, this is the thing that he's been criticised for: is that these are these are elaborate performance pieces that he creates for himself. He's so often the central player in these adaptations. Yeah, but he could have he could have started to play Don Pedro wrongfully. It would have been the wrong yeah, part. It, if he cast Denzel in in Benedict's part, it would be wrong. Yeah, um, I, I think the chemistry between him and Emma Thompson. Works. I think Denzel uh, does does a pretty damn good job in this one as well. To be fair, a hundred a hundred percent. Like yeah. And I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna fault the the, the 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 introductory shot of that band of men, of just Denzel followed by Keanu Reeves in slow motion yeah. charging down the hills on the horses. Yes, my Slush. my uterus caught fire. I was <laughs> your uterus. Yeah, I was like, that's that is a rousing shot. That's right why there. you got your your eggs in today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, let's talk about that. I mean, there's a good good cast here. So Denzel in. What was a relatively daring piece of casting at the time? You know, it's not it's not Othello, it's not the part right. that's written as a moor, shall we say? And you know, no no emphasis put on that whatsoever. It's just here's a commanding, charming guy playing a commanding, charming guy. Why not? It's the same argument as why can't Spider Man be black? It's a fictional character. It doesn't matter. God, we brought Shakespeare down to Marvel's level so so quickly. <laughs> we have. I always try and weasel in a bit of marvel um but uh, no just 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 to finish off on on the shakespeare thing it's like nothing i'm saying is saying that shakespeare's bad like shakespeare's great he's not flawless that's all and if you if you look at anything any bit of art as complete as perfect it's like you're not open to 
improving, understanding, critiquing, changing a craft. It's like, no, this is flawless. That's it. Not changing it. Arguably, okay, die hard, fine for you. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll take, I'll give you die flawless. hard alone. It's not okay. no. Welcome to the party, pal. It's that, it's that kind of flawless kind of, uh, and I'm an iconoclast. I just can't. I can't leave it up there. I'm like, eh. No, I, I've always yeah. had a bigger problem with the 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 comedy part of his repertoire than I have the 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 tragedy or the history part of it. And I'd much rather have I don't know Hamlet. Let's say why not? Yeah. Um, than a Midsummer Night's Dream. Um, this isn't quite as painful to sit through as a Midsummer Night's Dream, but there are bits of it where you go, it, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. I don't understand why people are doing the things they're doing other than to create a, a plot and surely everything's going to end up okay. The idea that Hero dies from being embarrassed is such a see-through yeah. plot to buy. And this is the thing. We're talking about something that is 400 years old almost. So it's it's difficult, isn't it? It probably is 400 it years is old. It is very... The trick with a film like this, I think, is to, to languish in the language and the mixed bag of performances. The biggest disappointment in this film for me is not Keanu Reeves I think actually he was given the right part as yeah. soon as he says the line I am not of many words you go yeah, yeah. good because you can just stand there yeah that's exactly stand what I there said. looking yeah. great Keanu and you do and he does he does the it wasn't too funny like I was worried Keanu being evil the whole time was going to make me laugh like I don't quite believe it I just about believed it, but there's a bit of it me that like, I know you're a really nice guy. I'm not scared by you, <laughs> you know. But he did, he did play. I'm a, I'm an unreasonably angry and vengeful guy. He played that yeah, well. He's he's the baddie. He's the villain of the yeah, piece. He's got a good scowl. He's he got really a good has. Scowl in That's this. what happens when you have great eyes. Yeah. <laughs> Is this the first time he's played a baddie? The only time I could think was, you know, sort of I love you to death, but. Marlon and Harlan, or whatever they were called, were so yeah, comically. He's so he, because he's the outright villain of the piece here, and he hasn't played that before, has he? Yes. Or does Evil Ted count? This is the first bit. Does Evil Ted count? Evil Ted does <laughs> count, actually. I, I, I think that counts. He was a real villain in that, yeah. And and but arguably better. I think he was better as Evil oh, Ted. Well, okay. He's, well, maybe he, he enjoyed it. No, but he does just fine. Is the point? He didn't let the piece down. Anybody could say, like, oh, my God, Keanu Reeves in a Shakespearean thing. It's like, yeah, he it's did fine. Yeah, and he does have, you know, uh, apart from when he, he's introduced and he says, I'm not of many words, he does only really have one big dialogue scene. And that's in this where he's, he's got his shirt off and he's sort of laying out his intentions. His evil plan. Yeah. And I thought he handled it very well, actually. It, it was fine. Yeah. Not not on the, the level of Kenneth Branagh. Or and I would... Uh, but. So Keanu did a good job. Kenneth Branagh directed him well. Of course. For, sh for sure. Yeah, of course. There's no denying of that. Yeah. The the big disappointment for me Yeah. Michael Keaton. Oh, I'm so upset about that. He's... I loved him. Oh, I thought he was outright awful. Oh, I'm so upset. I thought he... It was joyful to see him on screen every single time. I, I love Michael it. Keaton, but yeah, I thought he was shit in this. Sorry. Oh, that's so weird. <laughs> I was laughing every time. I just thought I just got this feeling that like Kenneth Branagh said, "Do you know what? Just be really fucking weird. Just be really weird." That was his direction, and I felt like he pulled it off really well. I'm so sorry that like he did he like annoy you. He he did. It was annoying. Yeah. Part of it, 
Was he affecting an Irish accent? Definitely. Because he came across like a pirate most of the time. Yeah. But um, I. Or some regional accent for sure. He wasn't. It was one of those where I felt like he was struggling so much with the accent that he lost the words for me. Mm, That's interesting. And you were saying, you know, sometimes you can look at an actor or a character in a Shakespeare piece and, and genuinely come away thinking, what the hell was that person just saying? Michael Keaton was that character for me. That's the weird thing about it. As much as I enjoyed his performance, I think I was enjoying his performance. Okay. I don't actually, I understood very little of what he said. Yeah. And it got lost in all of the, the ticks and things that yeah. he was trying to do to be this weird kind of, I don't really understand the setup. My guess was that there's this big estate that's owned by Richard, Richard Briers. Yeah. Who's also excellent. Yeah, really excellent, actually. God, he's got some good line, good scenes. Yeah, and good lines, but good scenes. Uh, Michael Keaton and Ben Ben Elton weirdly just pops up in this. They, I think they're like the police of the estate. I didn't get it. He's he is an investigator of some kind, but he's also they're the, like the fool and the hobo. Yeah, it's it's weird. But I assume that that I assume that because they're basically aristocracy everyone that we're seeing that or they're at least very wealthy landowners farmers that if you do any other job than that job you're you're a servant of some kind including police or security and they have watch watchmen i don't know security guards i think are very similar to the status of security guards in our culture now Mm. and that's how they appeared like him and that crew that he's like giving them orders of like to watch out for anything suspicious and but it's incongruous isn't it because he cracks the case, so to speak. He he rumbles the conspiracy. Yeah, I I just couldn't get a handle but, on it. I, yeah, but I guess again they they there's a there's a script a script flaw. Right, Shakespeare. If you're listening, we've got some notes for you, buddy. Yeah, Shakespeare. We're going to give you some notes here. Stop with the groundling stuff. Yeah, why make that guy the fool? You know, but yeah. you need a fool, don't you? But Ben Elton's right there. Yeah, <laughs> make him the fool. They are both, aren't they? But. Um, yeah, I, I just, it's a I just bit didn't. of a weirdly, it's a bit of a Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, like they're 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 those yeah. two parts, right? And, and going back to a Midsummer Night's Dream, Puck, you know, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So again, you're you're tired of that anyway, and I don't think I'm I'm not that. I don't know the stories that much, Shakespeare stories that much. When I watch them, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember because I've seen plays, but. I don't care. <laughs> like, I just don't care. To be fair to old Billy Bard, he called his play Much Ado About Nothing. So yeah. nitpicking the plot points is maybe uh, the joke is on us. I agree. And I was that brings me on to, like, if we were going to remake this, if a modern remake in the, in the kind of Dangerous Liaisons versus Cruel Intentions kind of style, right? Mm-hmm. Do you think we could cast Jason Statham? <laughs> As Kenneth Branagh's part, wow, and and say and call it a big fucking deal about fuck all, yep, and about fuck all, yeah, yeah something like that. Um, a, a okay, big, so big to do about nothing. About so who fuck. who is who's the Emma Thompson analog to to Jason Statham's Kenneth Branagh? Then God, for some reason I was just going to say Kathy Bates. I don't know, just Kathy. I don't know what Kathy. I'm not sure I want to see those two necking. Tracy Ullman. What? Yeah, yeah. I'm just you, trying to pick somebody. You've really got your finger on the pulse of the Hollywood machine, haven't you? I do, you? I do, yeah. <laughs> We've got... I don't know. Renowned action of the megastar Jason Statham. Yeah, okay. 
No, how about some? Uh, she was in Hobbs and Shaw, the woman who plays sister. Oh, Vanessa Kirby. Vanessa Kirby. I was going to say Charlize Theron from from Fast and Furious, actually. Well, similar. Yeah. Vanessa Kirby could do it, sort of, but like not in Shakespearean. I am, but pentameter. Oh, okay. So just, updating it to modern. You just completely translate it into modern language, right. and it's set in London in the eighties. And you've got uh, Vanessa Kirby and Jason Statham, and they are... So that whole crew, like Denzel's whole crew, instead of being like princes uh, or whatever they are, whatever they are, like um, soldiers. Yeah, they're soldiers, yeah. Yeah. Um, They are bank robbers. Or maybe they're actually (laughs) soldiers. No, no, they're soldiers. They've just... Come back from (laughs) the You knew I was going to say bank robbers. Did you know it? How do you know? It's just... It's They're Cockney, Cockney bank robbers. No, no, they've just come back from the Falklands. Come back from the Falklands, there you go. They've gone to see uh, Prince yeah, Philip. Where, where do you get like a group of women like that? Uh, down the WI. <laughs> They're just hanging out. They're hanging out at the local I'm WI. I'm sick of these jelly deals, Don Pedro. Let's go get some marmalade down the WI. Right, and, and they have their local pub, the, 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 the men's club. There you go. That they hang out in. Yeah, yeah this is brilliant. Called Leonato's. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> this is it. This is this, this is the remake. This is what we have to do. All thanks to Statham. It'd be brilliant. All right. I'm in. And maybe The Rock can play Denzel's character. Tom Holland could be Claudio. Definitely. That's a good one. Good shout. I don't know who could be Hero. I'm trying to think. Uh, Hero is Saoirse Ronan. Hundred percent. Well done. You're good at this, man. What about Richard Bryer's Richard Bryer's character? Michael Keaton. <laughs> that would be so funny. That's a little nod to to Michael Keaton. Anyway, it's ridiculous, but that's what my that's well, where my brain okay, is going. Okay, so to bring it back on course because we are wildly off course here. It's never happened before. No, crucifix, crucifix. <laughs> um. Yeah, uh, I, hang on a second. That's really uh, because there is some serious Keanuverse right, happening, whether we like it or not. It's happening. Disagree. Listen, man. Look, halfway through the movie in Freaked, he runs off. He just goes. Yeah. Halfway through this film, he legs it. It's so yeah. It's there, odd. There's a link. Yeah. But again, script flaw. Uh, oh, and then oh, look who we caught right at the end. Right, it's like yeah, and I don't know if this is an. I assume it must be abridged because it's it's quite a short film as Shakespeare adaptation. Yeah, this go. is not the original. This is not the original. I wonder if there is more to that. Um, Don There's John even back some the scenes end. where you they literally they're still talking and they're transitioning away. They're like you know that that scene was longer. Given that this isn't a, a text that I'm I was familiar with before watching this one, and certainly. Not shot to the top of the list of my favourite Shakespeare plays. I'm seriously considering watching the Joss Whedon one this afternoon to see what he did with it. Because he used a lot of those, you know, like, I'm sure Robert Downey Jr. is in that. You know, he's done a modern version of it yeah. and he's done it. So you're going at, you're going ahead and... I'm tempted to, just to, just to see it. what he's done. Because he's a wordsmith, you know, of a very different kind. And I, it would be interesting yeah. to see, you know, obviously he's not going to change the text, I don't think. Maybe he has, I don't know anything about it. But, you know, he's got a very specific rhythmic approach that's very different to Kenneth Branagh's. I'd like to see what he's done with it, with, with a group of young actors. Do you, do you like this story? It's not much of a story, is it? No, I like, I think like you, I like the central romance between those two characters 
not Claudio and Hero. I think that storyline is preposterous. Yeah, it is. The the thing that gets me, I mean, I find it quite infuriating sometimes when they, I know that's the point. I'll give you, this is, you say this is a comedy. It's a romantic comedy. It's an old style romantic comedy. And yeah, they're kind of, there's like, it sort of foreshadows each ruse. Like there's a ruse after ruse after ruse or, or like the, the first one is tricking Emma Thompson and Kenneth Branagh into loving each other because they each gossip about like, oh, I heard she loves him. And like, over, I'm going to make an overheard conversation. Oh, Kenneth Branagh is going to overhear my conversation. And it's, that's okay. I get it. It's not done too badly. It's not done too poorly, but kind of obvious. Just Kenneth Branagh with the chair in that scene. I don't know why I loved it. I found it so funny. There's this deck chair he's trying to make work so he can just sit down like alone because he doesn't want to hang out with these people because they're all into the romance mm-hmm. and he's like, I'm not interested. And I just, I thought that was a really nice bit of physical comedy that Kenneth Branagh was doing, mm-hmm. trying to get the deck chair. Made me laugh. So again, but lots of what Kenneth Branagh did made me laugh. But then that conceit happens again on the reverse for Emma Thompson, like her maidens or her the, the women in her group are, are like saying the same thing of like, oh, we heard that Kenneth Branagh loved him. And it's quite clever. I'll, I'll give it that. It, it's like clever in the way that they manipulate it. There's a there's an understanding of psychology there and about love. And it's fine. That's not the problem. But then the ruses just keep going. They keep going. So it's like deceiving. And then so Keanu's deceiving in order to destroy love. And they're deceiving. And Denzel's deceiving in order to create love. And then in order to create to reignite love and to actually absolve um, Hero of the slander that's been put against her, that she cheated, yeah, whatever. They have to pretend she's dead. That's the bit that I didn't get, right? It's so extraordinary. So the ruse is that, is it Boraccio is the guy Richard who... Richard Bryars. No, no. Oh, sorry. The guy who is oh, wooing Margaret. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I think that's his name, Boraccio, yeah. Which is quite funny in and of itself. Anyway, so yeah. he is going to seduce... Margaret, who's played by Imelda Staunton, in her window, so that when Claudio comes past, he sees her hair and her body. Yes, making love with another man. Yes, and assumes that it's Hero, and so that's the ruse, and it works. But while he is on the job, shall we say, he's shouting out of the window, "Hero, Hero, Hero!" Yeah, that should have got Imelda Staunton's, you know, brain ticking away like. I, Thank I, I, I'm being used for something here. Thank and you. And if that wasn't ludicrous enough, <laughs> at the wedding the following day, yes. when Claudio, Robert Sean Leonard, berates yeah. Hero in front of everyone, they even cut to Imelda Staunton's Margaret, and she has a moment of recognition. She just goes, ooh, yeah, like, that was me. That rings a bell. Why didn't she just speak up then? Because she is the... Pr- Thank she's you. She's used as evidence at the end of the Thank film, you. play, whatever you want. Yeah. It's it's yeah it's ludicrous it's so that that's so plot hole Shakespeare <laughs> you know must and, try and, harder yeah and and that's the thing that falls down for me this is the to the credit of the filmmakers and the actors this is why I've got high praise for it it's like they even got around that the performances kind of got around that but that that kind of thing in films in stories in general really irritate me yeah. it's that it's that moment of but why didn't you just? Yes, and rom coms are particularly bad for it. But why don't they just? Why, why don't didn't they just... you just talk to her? Yeah, is what why I want to just... say through most of the rom coms. 
why didn't you just that can that's enough to take me out of it and so yeah it's definitely going to lose a star for, for that that for sure for me because it's like that's the thing but i didn't not enjoy it i'm going through a particularly romantic phase in my life and so i'm quite moved and touched by kenneth branner's and, and emma thompson's love yeah and- i i couldn't care less though about um claudio and hero's romance it's totally ridiculous to me like that love at first yeah. sight asking permission for for that love it, all that stuff well, i know it's of the time okay but- all right yeah. I hate it. Okay, fine. <laughs> the, you say the love at first sight thing annoyed you. I, I have to say there's a line that Claudio has about how he is much changed having been at war and the hardness that he felt previous, uh, you know, in the face of beauty, in the face of love. Is that a, is that a euphemism? The hardness, I no, feel. No, no. Um, the rigidity that he experienced. Yeah. Yeah. Um has At now war. having having been to war and survived and come back, he now feels softer and more open to it, and he he feels this thawing inside him. And I'll allow maybe Robert Shaw Leonard wasn't the best choice of actor to deliver that line, but it was a it was a very beautiful sentiment, very well conveyed, and that's what Shakespearean language at its best does. And there's a lot more of that in the Branagh Thompson stuff that is much better conveyed, and that is really. The ultimate selling point of this is to is to just hear these wonderful actors say these wonderful lines in a very beautiful setting. I agree. Yeah, um, I agree. Yeah, it's amazing. I I, I really want to go there. Okay. I really want to just go there. Let's hire that villa man and hang out there for like a month, please. That would be amazing. Well, if you're paying, sure. Yeah. Okay. Totally done. Um, one thing I will I will say because I know I've been like hard about Shakespeare. I really think that if you put the work in and try to get your head around the fact that it doesn't really matter that you're not understanding absolutely everything just settle into it and it can be very rewarding because of these moments of poetry that do that do land you get bombarded with it if you're sat there thinking i don't get it i don't get it i hate it i don't get it what's the point then you're not going to enjoy this never it's just don't bother this isn't the shakespeare film that's going to win you over if you if you really struggle with shakespeare and find it dull and that I would recommend the adaptation of Richard III that Ian McKellen was in in the 90s that was updated to World War One. I, I want to say. Um, that is a genuinely fantastic kind of action film. And, and do they use the Shakespeare text? They, they do, and it's very, very well done. Interesting. I think it was Richard Longcrane directed that. Yeah, worth watching it just for McKellen, but yeah. yeah, very good. We watched Henry V in history, the, the Kenneth the Branagh, Branagh one. Also excellent. Yeah, yeah. Great, yeah. great battle scene in that. Yes, that's what I remember as a eleven-year-old watching it. And as long as we're recommending great Shakespeare adaptations, if you do want to see what I would consider the definitive Hamlet on the big screen, if you can get a hold of Branagh's unabridged Hamlet shot at Blenheim Palace, really? Yeah, I thought they actually went to Elsinore. Not for not for Branagh's one. Yes, it's it's phenomenal. Richard Bryars again in that. Branner as Hamlet himself, a young Kate Winslet. It's phenomenal, um, but very hard to find for some reason. Uh, yes, over four hours long. Okay. Let's. Oh my god, I don't think I could watch four hours. Yeah, of... you've got to do it in a couple of sittings. Right, let's 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 start to wrap it up. So we haven't talked much about Keanu on this one, just because he's not in either film very much. But no. uh, for the bits that he is in both films, he's good. Let's just say that he's yeah. good. He does. Yeah, he does just fine. 
guilting some was the point I wanted to make on this one because actually the whole film is about is built around his conspiracy to get someone guilted. Yes, so it's a weird sort of guilting some by proxy. By proxy Let's exactly. give it. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, luscious hair, definitely rocking a beard in this as well. Yeah, he's looking great. I like that um, Kenneth Branagh. Uh, Kenneth Branagh at one point says lack beard. He like he, yeah. he he tells Claudio lack beard, and I had to go through it. I'm like. Oh yeah, they do all have beards except for Claudio. <laughs> like, I had to think, and like, cut to Denzel. I was like, oh, Denzel does have a beard. Like, okay, yeah. so that is a, that's like it, that line only works if everybody has beards. Yeah, uh, doing stunts. his own stunts. He's, he's riding his horse in at the beginning. I guess that's a stunt technically. Got, got to give it to him yeah. for that. Yeah, but he doesn't play guitar. He is not. He's a John. He's done John. Oh my God, he's a John. You're right. Accidentally well stumbled on that one. Yeah. Well, you, I think you still have to prove it to me. I wasn't convinced about the Johns and Jacks, but starting to mount the evidence now. Yeah. Um. What about inappropriate reactions? I don't know. It's tough. I think Keanu gets away with, with you. Keanu gets away with, and lots of people. I, I think I might be the I might be the odd one out here, but I think his beauty gets away. He gets away with a lot. You just Correct. cut to him, Correct. and it, it does it for you. Much of the same way that I criticise Arnie on Maggie. That it's like, I don't think it's good acting. You cut to him, you like him well. You put a drop of water in his eye, and he looks like he's really emotional. But he's got he's got that that chiselled. Yeah, that's what face. being a movie star is. That is what being a movie star is, and fair fair enough. And yet, that's the reason why I like get so excited when I see someone like Kenneth Branagh or Richard Briers as well. No. I, I'm not going to say an appropriate reaction shot. I don't think there was like something went on. There was an explosion. You cut to Keanu and you see no emotion. That nothing like that happened. No, my only thing that I would go to the big bending of it is we get those introductory shots of the men riding in on the horses, and he's already got like sort of a snarl on his face to yeah. let you know that something is off with this guy. I'm the and evil again, one. I'm sure they, they, they I'm stopped sh- short of giving him a scar across his eye, right, or doing shifty eyes. Yeah, shifty eyes. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure Branner told him to do that, but it's I'm sure it's a little it's a little heavy handed. It's I guess that's all I'm trying to say. It's a little heavy handed in that regard. It's a hundred percent heavy handed. Everyone is caricatures, but again, out of everyone, he unfortunately he's he's actually there with such fucking great talent. Yeah. That he's always going to look a bit bad in in a movie like this, and because of the contrast, he doesn't do badly. I don't think he has the range to do the nuance. Like it would have been very interesting to have played it like he's really nice guy and people really like him. He's not he's not the obvious villain, and then you see this Machiavellian scheming behind the scenes. That would have been interesting. Well, just one fun fact that came out of this: an actor that we haven't mentioned who's in this. Brian Blessed. Yeah. Doing going full full Brian Blessed. Uh, yeah, he didn't have much to do as well. No, but he again, he's just a he's a lovely presence. I think everybody he has is. a soft spot for Brian Blessed, if if for no other reason than Flash Gordon. Um, but apparently, Gordon is alive. Apparently, Keanu and Brian Blessed became really good mates on this movie. That does not surprise me in the slightest. And even better than that, Brian Blessed taught Keanu how to meditate. That is fucking cool. <laughs> That is so fucking cool. So whoever like, had um, Brian Blessed <laughs> teaching Keanu meditation on their Keanu bingo card, mark that one off. That's brilliant. That is so brilliant. I love that so much because Brian Blessed is like a really spiritual person. Like He claims to 
be able to remember his birth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, it's incredible. And he's climbed Everest, yeah. I think, like five times. Yeah, and he's got like the that. awful feet to um, to show for it as well. Have you ever yeah. seen his feet? Well, no, They're deformed from all his it's walking so in snow. It's incredible. Okay, all let's right. have some numbers quickly. It's your numbers. Uh, the budget for this was also 11 million. How about that? The worldwide... Keanuverse. Good no. Keanuverse. I don't know what uh, his salary on this one was, but the domestic gross uh, on its initial release was 22.5 million, so it made its money back straight away. Yeah, it um, doubled it. Yeah, I imagine great. it was quite a big hit in this country and in Europe as well. So I think this was a hit. And it's considered one of the more successful straight Shakespeare adaptations. Um, so that's quite nice. I remember it being quite a big film when it came out. I, no, it was, yeah. yeah. I and but and also I agree with that. It 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 deserves that title of successful Shakespeare adaptation, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, yeah. uh, currently sits at seven point three on IMDb. Oh well, actually, just one other thing about the numbers. Apparently, the studio was so confident <clears throat> after the success of this film, they made it uh, one of their Oscar hopefuls for that year and sunk. $10 million into an Oscar campaign that resulted in no Oscars. <laughs> and nominations? Any nominations? Uh, it was nominated for Golden Globes. I don't know about... So hang on. The film cost $11 million. Yeah. They doubled their profit. So they made the $11 million back. And then razzed... And, yeah. and got $11 million and then spent 10 of that on... Yeah, getting it nominated for not an Oscar. even a single Oscar nomination. Lots of nominations around the world, um, but yeah, for other, not, other not a single Oscar nomination. Things. Not even for costume. Any awards? Any other awards? Yeah, it's it won awards. Let's see. Uh, Emma Thompson got an Evening Standard Award. Kenneth Branagh got the Palm Door. Oh no, sorry, that was a nominee for the Palm Door. Um, really, again, this. The more I hear about the Razzies, the more I think it's just a very mean spirited thing, um, and not the hilarious event that it should be. They did nominate Keanu Reeves for Worst Supporting Actor for this, and that's um, that's unfair. That is unfair. Well, it feels unfair because we're we're acting him, but it's like getting a nomination for I'm not sure what other films they were they're having a go at. I I think it's a bit unfair because I happen to believe that with the caliber of actor that you've got here, it's really difficult to like do as well as everybody else. Yeah, and he's a top credit. You can say that he's top. You billing. can say that. About Dracula, you know, he was surrounded by better actors and he yeah. was terrible. And I'd agree with that. Not here. Yeah, you're right. He deserves the Razzie more for Dracula yeah. than he does for for, for this. Uh, yeah. It's your numbers. Anyway, all of that said, how would you rate this one? Three star film, Shakespeare play, plot. But it gets four stars for that. all the acting, all the extra acting craft that went into it. Kenneth Branagh and Emma Thompson elevated this to a level I just, I love it because of them. And that's, so I'm, I'm naming my bias, but I'm giving it a solid four stars. Oh, so you're settling on four, you're not splitting the difference. Yep. No, no, I'm not. Okay. No, not a three and a I half. I mean, I agree no, with your, it deserves four I agree stars. with your reasoning. Uh, it's pretty much the same as mine. I'm going to go three and a half, but I think we're on the same page as far as Keanu was, was fine in it. That was Freaked and Much Ado About Nothing. Now, I just need to check. We've got uh, a return to the filmmaking of Gus Van Sant, who did My Own Private Idaho with Even Cowgirls Get the Blues. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, I saw this one, I think, in the late 90s. Good cast, I'll say that. Keanu, yeah, he teams up with Uma Thurman again. Uh, yeah, well, a lot of a lot of people from his past, actually, in this one. So, yeah, 
can talk about that. So that'll be the next episode, Even Cowgirls Get the Blues. Join us for that. If you want to get in touch, as we so often forget to tell you to do, get in touch at theionithology at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. And until next time, even if you are the lazy screenwriter, William Shakespeare, just remember to be excellent to each other. And partieth oneth. Judith. Who's Judith? Judith.